you might have been served some serious like short hands in life. And if that's the case for you, I get it. Life is really, truly not equitable and it's not fair. However, you do have power. And this show is really about focusing on the things that we absolutely can control. So now that we're on the same page and you are ready to do whatever it takes to become future you, you're ready to let this episode blow your mind a bit. This episode is also probably going to hurt a little, but I promise you it'll be worth it. Welcome to Sincerely Future You, a podcast that helps ambitious women like you make decisions today with the future you in mind. Welcome to another mind-bending episode of Sincerely Future You. I am Jess McKinley Wayno. I'm your host, and today we're exploring a life-altering question, or at least I think so anyway. I, if you nerd out on this brain stuff, on this how do we create a bigger life stuff, you're going to love today's episode. If our thoughts are what create our results, where do we have to be willing to be wrong? Ooh, from the fun we have at parties to the dollars in our bank accounts and the quality of our relationships. Our thoughts and beliefs wield profound influence. Before we dive in, though, let's acknowledge that our lives are shaped by the circumstances we're born into. This is just a fact. Our families, cultures, and genetics. However, as adults armed with the tools of mind management, we do have the power to carve a new path. Most of us weren't born with every advantage, but it's our responsibility to break free from limitations and transform disadvantages into opportunities if that is the life that we seek. So if you're here, if you want that big life, if you want that big business and we can get on the same page about that, you might have been served some serious like short hands in life. And if that's the case for you, I get it. Life is really, truly not equitable and it's not fair. However, you do have power. And this show is really about focusing on the things that we absolutely can control. So now that we're on the same page and you are ready to do whatever it takes to become future you, that lady with the business and the life that inspires the hell out of you, you're ready to let this episode blow your mind a bit. This episode is also probably going to hurt a little, but I promise you it'll be worth it. Before we dive in, you know we got to shout out the client of the week, which is Kim Courtright. Kim is the children's author of Mimi and Poppy. She is one of my clients in the Splash Pad, which if you're new to the show, the Splash Pad is my course and community for anyone who is really needs that business 101. Maybe you are super talented. Maybe you've even been in business for a while or you just have an idea, but you're serious about starting to get serious with your business. When she joined, she was kind of feeling stuck and low vibe. After publishing her book, which was a huge feat, knowing how amazing it is, but feeling like the distance between here, published, author, and her goal of being a household name, right? Recognize having her book in the shelves of kids all across America, all across the world. It felt really daunting, that gap. And she's not alone. The creating of your thing, your offer, your shop, your product, your book, your program, that is just step one of a thousand. But 
it doesn't have to feel daunting. Using the philosophies and the tools that we have in the splash pad, she just decided to make it a game and to break it down into bite-sized chunks that felt digestible and manageable for her to get her book out there. And this week, she did her very first reading in Barnes & Noble. She got a bunch of no's in the process of that, but she also got a yes. And girl, I am so proud of you. She did all sorts of things to make it really interactive and fun and exciting for the kids. And I know that this is just the beginning because once you get that taste, once you understand, yes, the hard work will pay off in small ways, you can ride those small ways and collect those failures all the way to the top, baby. So shout out to Kim. And now you know what time it is. It's hype sesh time. And it is time to level you up. I love to get your body energized and hype before I give you information because otherwise you might just be driving. You might be listening to the shower. You might be like half listening, but half going through your mental to-do list. No, we got to get you energetically connected to this message so you remember it so that you then take it and put it into action. In the level up today, what we're talking about is not just the doing, but the delegating. This is about leaning on your life team. It's one of my favorite ways to level up. It's creating that support. Some people call this asking for help, and I find that that phrase, especially for women, can be very triggering for a lot of you, right? If you struggle with asking for help, we're just going to find a new way right now to approach it. First, fundamentally, we are a tribal species. You guys, we are not meant to do any of this life stuff alone, despite what our modern society projects, right? Raising kids, we need that village. Where is it? Work? We need teams to support us. Even living in individual family home units like we do today is a fairly recent concept in human history. Families, individual family units didn't used to live by themselves. They used to live with generations in one household, communes, or it really was a village within a house. So if you are feeling like you're stretched thin trying to do it all yourself. It's because you are stretched thin trying to do it all yourself. It's not supposed to be this way. But this is a hype sesh, not a justify your complaints segment. So what are we going to do about it? If the culture shifts in a way that doesn't support our dreams, it's our job to find a hack. And the one that I'm recommending today is your life team. These are going to look completely custom and unique to you, your circumstances, and the type of support that you need. They could look like your neighbor, your aunt, your virtual assistant, and a business mentor. They could look like a coach, a sponsor, a good girlfriend of yours, and your mom. They could include employees, your spouse, your in-laws, and a Facebook mom group. For me, I like to have a very robust life team. I learned this skill when I became a single mom and I had no choice but to accept support. I kind of was back up against the wall and was like, oh, I hate feeling like I'm accepting help, like to be like this Rosie the Riveter type. But I have continued this strategy even as my circumstances have gotten in a lot of ways um, more manageable. And I realized that my biggest inspirations all have exceptional life teams. It's not a weakness, it's a strength. 
relationships, partnerships, mentorships, friendships, hired help, familial support, emotional support, specialized expert support, do it all. Do not sleep on this tip, you guys. It might be easy for you to accept support for your kids, but then in another area of your life, you struggle to seek it in business or you don't value paying for it. Or maybe it's easy in your business and you've made that shift in your brain, but not in your health or your relationships. You feel like you should just be able to do that on your own. I'm telling you, whatever area that you are struggling to do something on your own, make sure you are adding a leg of support to your life team. You do not have to do it alone, whether it is paid or whether it is free. Write down the areas that you want to grow this year and then decide on the leg of support that you're going to put into place. Free or paid, this is a game changer. All right. It's a perfect segue, this hype sesh, into today's topic, right, which is where can we be willing to be wrong as a strategy? So as I said in the intro, if our thoughts create our results, that means what we've been thinking about up until now, whether directly or indirectly, conscious or unconscious, has created the results of our life. How much fun we have when we're going to a social engagement, the amount we have in our savings, the marriage or relationship that we have. Now, I want to preface that for sure, I'm going to say it again, we are born into circumstances. Those circumstances that either if we were to go on autopilot in that one environment of, you know, a certain type of family, a certain type of culture, um, certain racial or physical ability, genetics, et cetera, that you could go on autopilot and are more likely to have a loving, healthy, wealthy, well-adjusted life, it might be easier for one set of circumstances to create that life than another set. But there are basic human needs and circumstances, and we can't ignore it. Now that we're adults, though, you have access to mind management tools. And that's what I'm here for. That's what this episode is here for. And that is also a fact. And being that most of us statistically were born without at least one, if not many of these advantages, including, you know, parents who had stable mindsets and, you know, practiced thoughts and habits with us that allowed us to just have health as a normal part of our life because we were modeled that. Most of us didn't get that. Right. And I know that whichever it is for you, it's easy to focus in on the thing that you just feel like you got gypped in, but it's our job to break the cycle. And you get to make your disadvantages your opportunity, the source of your tenacity, resilience, and desire. Isn't that freaking cool? And every time I flipped my mindset on it, every time I thought like, oh, well, if only my ex-husband just decided to love me more or put in this type of work, I would feel like a victim Or if only my parents, you know, gave me more accountability, I wouldn't, you know, be starting from scratch with finances. If my dad talked to me in the same way he talked to my brother about money, I wouldn't be trying to figure it out when I'm 30 and a single mom for the first time. And he set up my brother better than he set up me. Woe is me. Well, you know what? That's what's just the fact. And he didn't do it because he's a bad person in some cases, right? Like there are people that have 
traumatic families, but in most of our cases too, right? Like our parents are just doing the best that they can. Everybody's just doing the best that they can. And sometimes it's not enough. But for us, we get to focus on what we can do. So one of my favorite ways to level up, whether you're starting from the bottom or stuck at average results, is to look at all of the ways in which we could be wrong about our situation, about our life, about our story. I mean, think about it. If you were right about everything, this would be as good as it could get. Is that really what you want to believe? Or are you ready to do the tough work of making room for the earth-shattering discomfort of being wrong about things you may have believed your entire life up until now? First, you need to know why this is so hard. There is a psychological principle called confirmation bias. And that's the brain's tendency to interpret new evidence as confirmation of our existing beliefs or theories. So for example, if I had the belief that single moms are all broke, it's like just a fact, I'm a single mom, so I'm broke, right? All single moms are broke. If I had that thought, then I'd come up against a circumstance, like I would join single mom support groups on Facebook and I would see a lot of them complaining about money. And I would use that as evidence to support my belief that single moms are broke. But here is where we get to the point of this episode. Sometimes you're going to get to a crossroads where you do believe the limiting story. And that is a real example for me. Like I did just believe, oh, like of course, being a single mom is just so financially taxing, all single moms are broke, but you don't want to stay in that reality. So now what? You have two options. You can either change your circumstance, either for for that limiting belief, I had to either stay in a marriage or I had to get into a new relationship to not be a single mom, right? That would break me free of this like brokenness that I had decided was my reality. Or I could be wrong about the relationship of single moms to money. I didn't want to wait anymore, and I decided I want to be a single mom who thrives. What does that look like for me? And very easily, a measurable way to think about that was I wanted to earn 100K as a single mom, right? But when I would start to take action, I found myself starting off with some solutions. I'd get excited, and then I would fall off. And I'd make more excuses and ultimately feel more discouraged. This wasn't because I wasn't trying the right things. It was because I foundationally still believed that there was no point in trying. Because until I had a true partner, one who split the bills, one who split the childcare, one who supported me emotionally, one who believed it was their job to do all of the figuring out of the things too, so I didn't have to handle all the mental an emotional burden of it, I'd never dig myself out of the hole. So to share a part of my story, after I committed to reaching that goal of 100K in my own business as an entrepreneur, as a single mom, I actually did find myself with two of what I had deemed to be requirements for financial success kind of coming to me. I fell in love with my now husband who really wanted to support me however he could, and he was offering that, and came to a agreement with my ex-husband for a specific amount that he was paying child support, right? But I didn't want them anymore. It suddenly felt 
terrible to receive both this like limitless support emotionally, whatever he would uh, wanted to support me in whatever way he could. He, you know, was helping out with Calvin and also picking up dinner, all of those things. And then the same thing with child support. I didn't even like receiving it. it felt energetically bad to me because I decided I wanted to show myself and not just, it wasn't even about me anymore. I wanted to break the stigma to be an example of what's possible for other women that our circumstances aren't what create our results. So I created a plan to eliminate child support altogether within a year of starting to receive it. And I told Mark, my now husband, that I wasn't interested in moving in together until I could contribute half to rent in a luxury apartment, like one that I really felt aligned with the future that I wanted. I set a deadline, key part of this, and I put my head down until I got there. As soon as I began to zone in on my new belief that single mom doesn't have to be a struggle title, I actually exploded with other new supportive beliefs. Ones like, I'm an example of what, what's possible. Money is just about value. And so I would focus on that. How can I create more value today? How can I offer value to this client? I know how to create time and money. Being a single mom is actually badass. I'm creating such a beautiful environment for my son, one that teaches hard work and possibility and love and abundance. And I'm not just telling my kids they can do anything. I'm showing them that they can do anything. And all of those things just felt like money. They felt better than money. They felt energetically like I was the richest person when I was focused on those thoughts and not on the other thoughts that came exploding in with that other victim thought of single moms are broke. I found all of the supporting thoughts, the supporting evidence to support it. And those thoughts were equally as true. They just weren't freaking useful for me getting out of the story, right? I started to look for it everywhere. And then I showed up in action and it felt second nature. It just honestly started to feel easy to take the action steps that I needed to do. You are for sure wrong in your stories somewhere. Not because you don't have evidence or you can't prove it. Some people are, my clients will argue for their limitations. Like, no, you don't understand. I'm terrible at losing weight or like, I'm so bad with money. And like, I just can't schedule whatever their story is. And I'm like, is that something that you want to believe about yourself? Do you want that to be true? Because you're going to continue to make it true if you continue to say that to yourself and repeat it and dig it that belief into the ground. So it's because there is evidence to support any story. And your job right now is to look for the evidence to support the story of your dreams, to support the story of future you. I'm going to give you a few more examples of areas where I decided to be wrong as a strategy, and then I'm going to ask you some high-quality questions so that you can decide yours. So I love to give these real personal examples because when we hear a generic example, it's easy to think that you're a special snowflake, right? That's the hardest part of this work, deciding it's not just you. You're not uniquely fucked. You can, in fact, find a different angle in any area of your life. So the first area I decided to be wrong was just about time. Generally, I had a lot of unuseful thoughts about time, especially for my particular life, right? Those are the ones that make it sound really believable. 
moms just don't have time. Single moms just don't have time. Moms of kids that don't sleep. Well, you don't understand. My son, he is crazy. He's all over the place. My time isn't my own. I don't like to be structured. I'm more productive when I'm busy. That was a sneaky one. I didn't even think that was a negative thought. All of these things, I had to unhinge a little bit, just like slightly be like, but what if, if I wanted to create bigger results without shipping my kids off somewhere, of course. And side note, I have a way for you to expose all of your particular time thoughts if this is something you really want to work on because I just announced to my email list that I'm going to be running a time mastery boot camp and it's on October 23rd through the 27th. This is an exclusive. I'm not sure if I'm going to do it again, but people have been begging for me outside of coaching to release my scheduling practice and the concepts I teach about time. And I'm going to do it for you guys. It's $199, five days of time rewiring, scheduling, and hacking, and coaching. That's going to change the way you show up to your day and your life forever. That's not an exaggeration. It's just a fact. So like now, after we're done with that shameless plug, let's talk about a, a second one. I decided to be wrong about the role I played in a relationship, in a romantic relationship. I used to always think of myself as a lover. You know, like there's the two parts, like one's the person that is just more naturally the person that gives more of the love and one person is more the person that receives the love. In all of my relationship, I really felt the most comfortable when I was the person being more loving, giving more love. Like I felt love when I gave it. And so when I found myself in a new relationship after my divorce, when I was still healing and not feeling like I had anything to give, my now husband, who is also someone who loves to be the lover, was being so loving towards me. And I found myself pushing him away. I I was aware of it. I would watch. He would do something nice for me and I would like cringe. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? What is happening here? And I remember talking to my parents about it and they were like, what did we not teach you? Like how to just accept love and receive love. And I I just like was heartbroken over this reality that was true. Like I didn't enjoy the receiving of the love in the beginning. And so I got to work, right? I asked myself the question, would I rather be right that I'm the lover and that like this maybe isn't a match or would I rather have an epic loving relationship and receive love? And I was like, I'd rather not be this person who's bad at receiving love. Like, I don't want to be 80 years old and being like, I have to be giving the love and I can't just like accept the things and the the outpourings, whether it's whatever the love language is, like physical touch or words of affirmation or quality time or acts of service, whatever it was, I wanted to be good at receiving it. So I was saying, okay, what would it look like to receive love. How can I make that feel good? And I worked with a coach to find my own particular thoughts that helped it feel good. And I told him, listen, right now I'm letting you know it doesn't feel good right now, but I want this to work. And so I'm going to go to work. You don't have to do anything differently. I'm just letting you know. And I said, you know, if you can't wait, I get it, but he's the most patient person in the world. And he really He did. And so for me, I'm just so grateful to myself that I was willing to be wrong about that. So I could have completely missed out on this incredible, incredible marriage that I have because of that one thought about my identity as the lover. 
Number three, it was about who I was. I had a lot of thoughts about who I was, especially, you know, you you have people tell you and reinforce these thoughts that I wasn't an athlete. I was the artist of the family, right? That I wasn't really fashionable because I didn't put any thought or effort and I didn't know how to match any of that. I, that I was kind of just like above average, but not excellent in anything. Like I was really identified with that like Jane of all trades thing, master of none. And all of a sudden I was like, I, I wouldn't it be cool to be masterful at something? Haha, <laughs> masterful CEO, right? I just decided one by one, like, I don't want that. I don't want to be just kind of average at everything. That I believed I was messy, that I wasn't great with social media. All of these thoughts were not helpful to who I wanted to become. And I think it's really important to know, especially in a world where we are constantly being told, oh, you're born at this date. This is who you are. Oh, this is what your tendency is. Oh, I did your personality test, right? This is who you are. We, Who we are is not set in stone. I'm going to do an episode upcoming about work I'm personally doing with my son on his brain. And it's uh, it's going to be a whole episode. I don't want to fully get into it right now, but I'm doing a lot of research on how the brain works. And what I am learning is that regardless of your genetics, genes are just all things that can be activated or deactivated. Genes don't determine who you are and nothing about you is set in stone. You get to create who you are. Einstein, he donated his brain to science afterwards. And what they found was that he didn't have an extreme um, like o- overcompensation in one side of the brain. Actually, the way that he practiced and lived his life, he was constantly increasing his capacity to use his brain in the areas where he wasn't previously using it. So he created his genius through practice and through decision. How freaking cool, right? We are here to decide who we are. And I'm all for a horoscope or a personality test that reveals a strength. Use it if it serves you. I just learned in human design, I'm like a projector three five, splenic seer. I'm not really sure, but it was cool reading about all my positive tendencies. But there is no reason to reinforce your weaknesses. You get to be wrong about the things you believe about yourself that don't help you create your dream future, okay? Number four, I had this thought specific to business about group coaching not being as valuable as one-on-one coaching. When I sold one-on-one, I just believed group coaching was less valuable. And that was a useful thought to me for a while because I was selling one-on-one coaching. So I was like, oh, okay, this is why I'm pricing it this way. You get more support, blah, blah, blah. I had all the evidence to support it. And then I wanted to create a group coaching offer. (laughs) I clearly didn't value it. So I priced it at $37 a month, you guys. Anyone who's like in my programs now is like, what? Where was I then? But I promise you, there were people that were in it. They weren't really showing up because I had devalued it. And the price for them was not reflecting that it's super valuable. So therefore, they weren't even taking advantage of the tools. People most of the time weren't even showing up to it. It was crazy. I didn't sell it. I didn't invest in it. And then when I maxed out at 21 clients, I felt trapped by that belief suddenly. I knew I wanted to serve more people and I couldn't. I also wanted to spend less time coaching so that I could prepare to have my daughter and take half days and Fridays off. 
I didn't even realize that I was practicing the belief that it was less valuable until one of my coaches pointed it out. And therefore, I saw a reflection of that in everything I was doing. My consults only seemed to want one-on-one. Hmm. It must be that it's true. I even added in group as like for free for my one-on-one clients so they could show up so there would be more value in the room and they wouldn't show up. Duh, because I had basically equated the value to the free toy that's at the bottom of a cereal box, right? I just, I decided to get curious about this belief. Is there a group coaching program out there that's valuable? I didn't even know. I hadn't done one before. So I invested. I found that I love group coaching. I looked for the evidence. And when I looked, I found it. I changed my offer a bit to match the value for sure that I wanted to price it at. And then I asked myself better questions, including why is group coaching even more valuable than one-on-one? And I could have a whole episode selling you on that because I really, really do believe in the value of group coaching now because I was willing to be wrong about it. Number five is about I had this belief that people just wanted to work with me, right? And I know a lot of you guys have this belief. I believe I've spoken about it in past episodes because it's so detrimental for those of you who are at a place where you really want to scale. Things are working, but you're feeling kind of like maxed out. Ever since I exposed this story as a limiting one, I see it everywhere. People are stretching themselves thin and capping their impact and their earnings potential because they believe people just want me. As you grow, you realize that this story will become a ceiling. You, even if you are your brand or you're the talent or you're the teacher, you are not the reason people buy. I can hear some of you being like, yes, I am. You don't understand. Yes, maybe they are even telling you that you were the reason they bought and people told me that too, but your Bradley doesn't sew her own designs anymore or even design all of them anymore. It's like your brand is bigger than you and it can outgrow you if you choose to believe that, that people want the essence of what you have created. They want the results from what you have created. Okay. Is the flattery, high quality question, is the flattery and ego of this story worth staying small in your business? And for me, it wasn't. Number six, this is a really recent one, right? I wanted to be wrong about what my brain was making it mean when I wasn't showing up to my scheduling process the same way postpartum. I was making it mean that my process, I guess it doesn't work for everyone. Ooh, this is like my most recent aha moment. I, in the last year since having my daughter, I created scheduling in its current form that I teach it. I created it when my son was about like 19 months old tons of time challenges, tons of like circumstantial evidence that I couldn't be a scheduler, created it anyway, was like, this can work for anyone. Had a lot of people run through it that had different circumstances, worked for all of them. Then what happens? I have my daughter go into uh, postpartum and, you know, maternity leave, then come back. And then I found that I really wasn't showing up to my scheduling process in the full way that I normally do. I didn't want to schedule every 15 minutes. Wasn't that I didn't every once in a while, but I just like didn't really want to. I was like, maybe this doesn't work for some circumstances. And it just like sucked because I was like, 
I started to kind of sell it less. I started to have less belief in it. And then I would find myself agreeing with people's limiting beliefs when they were presenting them to me. And I was like, this is not neutral coaching. It's not good, right? And so I got some coaching on it. And what I found was that actually, whoa, my brain was making it mean that the process doesn't work when actually I've gotten so advanced with the concepts of the time mastery principles that I didn't even really have to schedule in that way in this season. That is one of the principles of scheduling, which is that during different seasons of your life, whether you're in a launch phase or whether you are in, you know, a maternity leave phase, you your schedule is going to look differently, but because it didn't feel uncomfortable in the same way, I was making it mean, oh, it wasn't working. Actually, what I found is that it was working exactly as it was meant to. I was masterfully deciding how I wanted to spend my time and that I wanted to use more of the core basic time principles in scheduling, which is making sure that I was doing my vital behaviors, making sure that I was still setting deadlines for myself, making sure that I was making decisions quickly and efficiently and not undermining myself, still evaluating my time, that I was aware of it, that I was you know, making sure that my ratios stayed right in terms of consumption versus creation, in terms of rest versus working hard. And I was doing all of these those things so naturally that I was beating myself up for not doing the part of the process that actually is not required during certain seasons of life, which is the part where you're scheduling every 15 minutes of your time. That is really crucial when you are in a certain goal. I'm not going to go into it here. We'll be talking about that big in the boot camp if you want to be a part of that. Again, October 23rd to the 27th. But what was so interesting about it is like, I was like, I don't want this to be right. I don't want to be right about this. Can the process work for everyone? And then once I found it, I found evidence to support the ways that it really was working for me. So I just want to, you to ask yourself these high quality questions as you're thinking about the goals or as you're thinking about if you're feeling stuck. Number one, would you rather be right about your story or would you rather get the result that you desire? This sounds like obvious, like we would always rather get the result, but our brain really struggles with being wrong because if our brain is wrong, it starts to not trust itself and we have to kind of break through that feeling, but it's very uncomfortable for the brain. So it would rather be right usually. So you have to decide consciously that you'd rather be wrong and get the result you would desire. Question number two, where do I feel stuck or defeated and what am I blaming for that feeling? That's always the easiest layman's term question for understanding what your story even is because some of you will tell me I don't I don't really know what my limiting stories are right like you don't know what you don't know answer that question write it down where do I feel stuck and defeated right now and what am I blaming for that feeling and if the the thing that you're blaming is anything but your thoughts we've got a place to start right we know what your story is and what you need to let go of high quality question number three what would I have to believe in order to keep the circumstances the same and 
get the results that I desire. So often we are trying to manipulate everything around us, the people around us, our situation, you know, the places that we're going, the things that we're putting our energy into. And you should do that too, right? It's one component. But if you can keep the circumstances the same and change your thought, it's just a different skill that will serve you in situations where you can't change the circumstances, Okay, it's a skill that every human being I recommend that you take and put in your toolbox. Now, I am so, so, so certain that once you do this work, you're going to feel pretty terrible. And so I want to end this episode by letting you know that the feeling you feel of unhinged or uncertain or unwell when you Prove to yourself, especially a belief that you've held on to for your whole life or in a belief about your identity, that it's not true, this is a good thing. Ultimately, it means that you have power. It means that you are wrong, but it also means that you get to decide what is right. And then you get to go after it. If you need some support with this, if you're feeling like, oh my gosh, this episode just mind-bended me a little bit, I feel unwell, DM me on Instagram. I will, (laughs) we can get on or set up a free mini session with me. You can go to sincerelyfutureyou.com or you can connect with me on Instagram at Jess McKinley Wayno. That's J-E-S-S-M-C-K-I-N-L-E-Y-U-Y-E-N-O. Let me know what's up, what you're going through, and we can navigate this together. Thank you so much for joining me today on this exciting journey of self-discovery. You guys, it's fun, right? This is what we're here for. Remember, the magic of shaping your future, it's hard, but it begins with you. Nothing else has to change. Embrace the adventure of being wrong. Challenge those old beliefs and unleash the incredible potential that lives right between your eyes. Until next time, my beautiful badass women, keep those positive vibes flowing. And remember, your future self will always be your biggest fan. And me too. If time mastery is something that's always eluded you, if you're someone who's like, oh, I really wish I could be less scatterbrained or be more productive within my week. Or maybe you're someone who really just struggles to be in one place at a time. When you're working, you wish you could be working, but you're always thinking about your your family or your social life. And when you're with your kids, you're thinking about your business and you're feeling guilty about that. I am going to solve all of your problems in five days. October 23rd to October 27th, we are going to be doing a Time Mastery Boot Camp where you're going to come and all together in five days, we are going to expose all of your thoughts about time that are causing you to make decisions slowly, to undermine yourself, to continue to multitask, to not go after the bigger things, to only tackle things that have outside accountability and not the things that really, really matter to you to move your mission and your dream life forward. And we're going to get tactical. I'm going to be sharing with you the things that I teach only inside the Masterful CEO School. We're going to do a condensed, simple version where you can take this process, you can take this experience and change the way you approach time forever. I cannot wait to do this together. This is going to be $1.99. You join, it's a one-time deal. 
come and really shake things up. See where even if you just take one of the tools, I promise you, you're going to see impact within a week of these tools. All right, I will see you there. Uh-huh.